0: The New Age Christianity podcast is brought to you by. Hello, New Age Christian family. This is Austin Fletcher. You're listening to the New Age Christian podcast, and this is episode number 71. We are still in our series on Unpacking the Secret, and we are in Part 3, where we are digging into the details on things like money and relationships and health and whatnot. Today, we're going to get into relationships. Have you ever thought to yourself, man, that person makes me so angry, or that person makes me so frustrated, that person makes me so happy? You realize that that is a lie, right? (laughs) That there is nothing that anyone can do do to make you feel anything. Now remember, if anything is true, there's a way in which it is true. And I promise you that is a true statement. Nobody makes you feel anything. You make yourself feel everything. Now, how do we unpack that? How do we understand it? How do we work with it and use these understandings to change our life? Well, glad you're listening. Let's get started. Welcome back to the New Age for Shim podcast, episode 71. We are talking about relationships today. As I said in that intro, uh, you do you do realize that nobody can make you feel anything, right? You know, we're going to talk a lot about kind of that dynamic in a lot of different ways in this episode. But, you know, as kind of a refresher, if it's been a while since you've listened to the last episode you know we have been going through the movie the secret and in that movie they get to kind of these different things they they talk about money they talk about the secret to relationships the secret to health and the secret to the world and so i am following that pattern and then adding as what i can what i've learned and i feel like you know in the last episode i had this i don't know a caveat to say look financially i'm still unpacking what it means to be use a lot of attraction in money and I've learned a lot and I gave my best advice on what I have learned and take it or leave it for what it's worth. But the reality was is and is that this week I'm still going through the paperwork to file a bankruptcy. Unless something changes, that is where I'm going. So financially speaking, maybe you don't want to listen to me. I don't know. in this episode, you know, with relationships, it's kind of similar but completely different in that I have recently gone through a divorce and that is the first time that I have said that on this podcast and most everybody who is close to me in my life knows that at this point but uh, at the end of last year I mentioned multiple times throughout 2019 that it was the most difficult year of my life and um now you know why. And so here I am talking about an episode of the secret, unpacking the secret to relationships. And while your opinion of what I've just told you that I've just recently been divorced may seem like, oh great, here we go. The second episode in the row where this guy is trying to give me advice and he clearly doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, let me just tell you that the secret and the law of attraction, it's really easy for you to think that you know what it is that the universe has for you. And while it may seem on the outside that I don't know what I'm talking about with The Secret to Relationships, maybe you can hear the confidence in my voice when I say, no, I do know what I'm talking about when it comes to relationships. And as hard as 2019 was, there's so many nuances to the reality of that story that I feel confident that had I not had the relational samurai skills that I Believe I do, 2019 could have gone much, much worse. And I'll just leave it at that. That we have, you know, if you remember the Toltec wisdom tradition and some of those episodes about the four agreements and whatnot, that we all are dreaming. We all have a set of ideas and beliefs that we look at the world through and different lenses that we look at the world through. And mine is different. Mine is not as traditional as most. And so the idea of relationships coming and going and the idea of questioning what marriage even looks like and all that stuff, I, as difficult as 2019 was, I have a lens on it that has kept me as a powerful individual. And yes, very hard. And yes, lots of frustrations or difficulties that have come out of it, but also amazingly beautiful positives and I don't know. I guess I'm just I trust that this is the process. I trust that the law of attraction is at work. And uh maybe now you know why I keep saying if you want you to change your life, then uh, just be aware that you need to change your life. And that doesn't mean that everyone's going to get divorced. It doesn't mean everyone's going to move to another country. It just means that there is a reality to how you have built your life is you've built it on purpose. You've built it for a reason and it is comfortable. And if you want change on drastic levels, then realize that it's going to require drastic change. It may be a change in relationships, it may be a change in your living situation, it may be a change in your beliefs, it may be a change in your health. You know, I mean, there are scriptural references, you know, to the idea like the guy who was born blind so that the glory of God may be known. I don't know where you stand on that. It's definitely one of the harder verses to think, okay, so wait. Somebody was born blind so that Jesus could heal him, you know, 30 years later in life and prove how good God is. Well, what kind of a douche God makes a guy blind so just so he can prove how good he is? That's a philosophical debate I'd love to have with anybody over a cigar and a scotch, but I guess I'm just saying that there is... A reality to trusting the process is a reality to trusting life being bigger than what your mind understands. And when it comes to talking about the secret in relationships and the secret, not just romantic relationships and love relationships, but professional relationships, friendships, you know, that this. Is mostly limited to other divine beings, in, in other words, humans. Unless you have a relationship with aliens, which if you do, give me a call. I'd love to talk to you about that. So yeah, the secret to relationships, I've been through my own hell last year. One of my best friends. I've had two, you know, friends that I've would say I've had for my adult life, and you know, Jason Tonneson and Christopher Teesdale, and Christopher Teesdale passed away last year. And that was also very dramatic and very drastic. And I've watched my life get turned upside down in no less than 18 months. And now I'm sitting here doing an episode on the secret to relationships and unpacking that again, take it for what it's worth. I'm sitting here in a confident energy and a belief and a joy that I do know what I'm talking about. I've been through the hell and I've come out the other side, a stronger person. And I'm going to try to impart some of the tools I know because I don't have enough time to impart all of them. And if you listen to previous episodes on relationships or the value of offenses and stuff like that, like you'll see, there's a lot of tools that I've known for a long time. And I used every single one of them to the best of my ability in 2019. And I think it came out pretty good considering everything that was going on. And so, hopefully, you will find what I have to share to be valuable. And either way, chew the meat, spit out the bones. As always, don't do it because I said so. Don't think it because I think it. See if it resonates with you. So, unpacking the secret of relationships. As I started in the intro, no one can make you feel anything. Specifically, nobody can make you happy. You do realize that, right? That no one can make you happy. Oh, I'm so happy when I'm with you. So when you're not with them, you're unhappy, right? There is a very nuanced line between being happy and then being around somebody who manifests your happiness. That there is absolutely a thing to, man, when I hang out with my best friend, man, I'm just so happy. We have a blast. When I hang out with my lover, oh my gosh, we're just so happy. We have a blast. When I hang out with my kids, when I hang out with my parents, my family, whatever, that happiness can absolutely be elevated when you are with people that you enjoy being around. But when you view those people as the source of your happiness, then the reality, the flip side of that is also true, that suddenly they are the source of your unhappiness. And I don't know about you, but that's a nightmare that I don't want to live anymore. That, well, if my external world gets challenged or flipped or somebody does something that I don't like, suddenly their actions plunge me into being unhappy? That doesn't sound very fun to me. Like most people, I've lived that for many, many years. I got the T-shirt, I lost the competition. We all lose that competition. When other people are your source of happiness, the flip side of that coin is other people are your source of unhappiness. So the reality is that even though you might think that they are your source of happiness or unhappiness, and you might be thinking, Austin, I don't got a problem with that because the people in my life are amazing. Fine. The truth is, is that they're still not the source of your unhappiness. And here is all the proof. When somebody does something, says something, shares an idea, shares an emotion, whatever like that, there is a space between their actions and what you feel. And I was talking with a coworker about this not too long ago where he was saying, oh my gosh, my wife makes me so frustrated and you're making me feel this. And he was telling me about a conversation he was having with her that you're making me feel unloved. You're making me feel unwanted in this household. You're making me feel frustrated. And he thought this was like a really great, like thoughtful conversation where he was examining his feelings and sharing them with his wife. And I said, can I poke at something? And he's like, always, man, because he's come to appreciate what I have to share. I said, do you do realize that she's not making you feel anything? She's like, what? Yeah, she makes me feel this. I said, no, no, no. He said, you realize that there are things that she does that another person might love, right? Or things that you love that she does that another person might feel so frustrated about. Is there anything that she does that is quirky or whatever? And you could see that there's lots of people that wouldn't like it, but you love it. He's like, well, yeah, I mean, that's the uniqueness of a relationship. I said, and conversely, are there things that she thinks you should love and you don't like? And it's frustrating. And she makes you feel that. And yet, if you were a different man, that you would actually really enjoy it. He goes, well, yeah, again, I said, so her actions are the same in both of these scenarios, but you just admitted That somebody could really love what she's doing and that you don't like. And somebody could really not like what you're doing that you do like. I said, what's the difference? And he goes, well, the difference would be who the other person. I said, so you've just unpacked for yourself that you in this scenario are the one that is looking at what's happening and deciding through a mechanism, and we'll talk about that mechanism. That you are unhappy or happy with this other person's actions. He's like, okay, I'm listening. So I said, regardless of what your wife says or does, and regardless of what she says and does, how does it makes you feel? There is something in between the actions and the feelings, right? We immediately, someone says something, and we immediately feel frustrated. We immediately feel whatever. We immediately feel really happy and excited. I mean, what if <laughs> I just thought of this, I saw on Facebook, there was a, uh, some parents were recording the moment they were telling their kids, Hey, we're going on vacation to Disneyland. Right. And they had told their kids, Hey, we're going to go spend some time with grandma. But that was kind of a ruse to like, Hey, we're going to spend some time. T- oh, by the way, we're actually going to Disneyland. Right. And the intention of the parents is to be a really cool moment. And it's a daughter and a son. I think the daughter's older and the son's younger. I'm not sure the details. And they say Disneyland. And the daughter's like, oh my gosh, we're going to Disneyland. is super elated, right? Same news. The son starts bawling and is screaming. I wanted to go to grandma's house, right? So he's not happy. The daughter is totally happy. The news is the same the reaction, the feeling is vastly different. So what is the thing between the news and the reaction that creates the different feeling? It is the beliefs, the desires, the perspectives, the dream of the person that is receiving those actions. So in the case of my coworker, his wife's actions have nothing to do with making him feel frustrated or happy, loved or hated, whatever. It is what he believes that is in between the actions and the feelings. So anytime you have an argument with somebody, anytime you get excited about anything, realize that there's a moment when this thing happens and this thing is said. And before you react and you feel it, realize that you are choosing To frame that thing in such a way is that your beliefs, your mind, you are then the mechanism that is deciding whether or not this news or this conversation makes me happy or unhappy. Now, this becomes relational jujitsu when you start to realize that every emotion you feel is on you. Every emotion you feel is on you this is one of the most valuable pieces of insight i wish i would have been able to unpack this years and years and years and years ago how many mistakes how many arguments how many assumptions that i've made about what other people meant and everything like that every emotion i feel is on me right so when i feel unhappy which clearly i don't want to feel unhappy i no longer blame the other person's actions or statements I examine my perspectives and you know what I found about 70% of the time is that the people in my life who are hurting my feelings or making me mad, aren't trying to do it on purpose. <laughs> Shocker, right? They love me and they're not actually trying to hurt me. They're not actually trying to make me mad or trying to hurt my feelings or trying to push my buttons, right? Is that They have their own buttons and I have my buttons and buttons often meet each other in the middle and we push each other's buttons and we have explosions, right? And then we all get frustrated and so on and so forth. But when I pause and I go, okay, wow, I'm in this conversation right now and I just realized that I'm pissed or my feelings got hurt or whatever negative, unhappy emotion, I now view my emotions as like a speedometer, right? Or just a readout on a machine. Like, okay, I'm feeling unhappy. I'm in a a negative state. I'm in a primal state of fight or flight, right? What is it that I'm thinking that causes me to react to this moment this way? And it's usually, well, I heard them say this, or I saw them do that. I don't like it in this way or that. And now they have made me mad and realizing, no, no, I've made me mad by how I have framed what they've done. So, especially in arguments and discussions, I push pause right there and I realize, wow, I just got mad. Okay, this person probably loves me and there's a really good chance they didn't do it on purpose. Sometimes they do. Sometimes people know they're gonna make you mad and they just need to stand up for themselves it's okay. Making me mad is not the end of the world. I can get over it. Making me feel bad is not the end of the world. I can get over it. But most of the time, people aren't trying to do that. They're trying to solve a problem. They're trying to be heard. And so you go, okay, I'm feeling mad right now. And I can assume that that's exactly what they meant. And therefore, they're making me mad. Or I can realize, pause, time out. I'm mad. Before I let anger rise up and take me off for the next two hours of my day to be seething over here. Before I let that happen, let me just pause and go back to what this person just said and ask them and say, hey, what I just heard is blah, 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 and that's upsetting. And they go, well, that's not what I meant. 70% of the time they say, that's not what I meant. How did you hear that? And you notice that I use the language, what I heard right? What you said was that's accusatory and assumptive. And even if you verbally like lay out exactly what they said as a quote, you can go, so you don't like how I dress, whatever. That's not what I said. I said, you might want to consider putting on a different shirt. Well, you said, well, you just don't like it and see what you heard was you don't like how I dress. What they said is you might want to consider putting on a different shirt okay, what I heard you say was that you don't like how I dress and it upsets me and they go, I'm sorry, that's so not what I meant. What I You might want to consider putting on a different shirt because it's I don't know if you've checked the weather but it's going to be really hot and I know you don't like wearing that shirt when it shows sweat marks in your armpits and so I was just trying to tell you, hey, consider putting on something. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say you don't dress good, right? You see how often that might happen in your life (laughs) where people who love you are trying to be loving, even if it is, hey, when you wear that shirt and it's super hot outside, you get super sweaty and it doesn't look very good. Okay. That might not be like, well, I guess you're right. But like, let's be honest. Thank you for being honest. I didn't check the weather. I didn't realize it was 20 degrees hotter than it was yesterday. And yes, if I wear this shirt, it'll definitely show my sweat rings. Thanks for being a friend. Thanks for being a loving partner who wants me to feel proud about how I look throughout the day. I assumed that you think I dress stupid and I got mad and I was about to be mad for 2 hours and maybe the rest of the day and then I was maybe going to be snarky and back and say something back to you and then you were going to be mad for 2 hours. Instead, I just pressed pause and realized, "Wait a minute. Anger just showed up in myself. This other person was the quote unquote air quotes source of my anger reality is is i'm the source of my anger my thoughts about what they've done my thoughts about what they've said are the reason i'm angry let me press pause and confirm whether or not what i heard was exactly what they said differentiating between what you have heard or what you have perceived someone's actions to mean there are so many times that and as i've gotten good at this that i've had people like well you know, when people are upset at me, I will pause and I will say, so what do you think I meant, right? What did you hear when I said X, Y, and Z? And inevitably, nine times out of 10, it's nothing what I meant. And then I'll say, well, that's not what I meant. And they'll go, I don't know how you could mean anything else. I mean, this is exactly what you said. Da, 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 da. And then I say, pause, can you just let me explain myself? And then I've gotten good at explaining what I meant and why I said it the way I said it. And I found with myself, I usually have a whole bunch of mental processes that equal some outcome that the other person doesn't know I processed all the way to this simple statement that if they haven't followed my process, sure, it's absolutely offensive. And I say, I'm so sorry. I can see how you heard that. Let me explain to you what I meant, right? And this is not to say, by the way, that there aren't times where I meant exactly what you heard. And I'm sorry I hurt your feelings, but that's the truth, Right. This is not to say that everything has got to be kit gloves and bumper cars everywhere. Like, there are moments where we clash into each other. There are moments where people mean exactly what they said. And you can say, okay, what you just said really hurt my feelings. Did you mean that? And they go, I'm sorry, but yes, I did. You heard me correctly. It's what I meant. Feel free to be hurt now. <laughs> you know, and we'll talk in a couple hours when your feelings have healed, whatever. This often happens with our actions, right? I mean, one of my favorite examples of this is this, this happened to me if three or four times, and it's always in a bigger city where I'll hold the door open for a woman and I'll have, I think it's happened to me three times. That woman will say, I don't need you to hold the door open for me. And there's obviously some sort of like a male chauvinist fear there. I'm you know a feminist bent where it's offensive that I held the door open for them. And there's an assumption that my actions, it's pretty safe to say that the assumption is that my actions view them as the weaker sex and some version of that other. It's a very stark example, but it is a microcosm of how stuff happens all the time where we, I'm trying to think of a really good example, a more nuanced one, but I can't think of one off the top of my head, but where you do something, whether it's, you know, you cook dinner before, you know, and you cook A meal that you don't know they don't like or what I don't freaking know. I mean, you can think of all the examples of where you do something and then what you've done is completely misinterpreted. So whether it's said or done, what I've gotten good at is, what did you think I was trying to accomplish? I'm not understanding why my actions have upset you because I would never try to upset you in this way. I would never try to hurt your feelings or offend you or frustrate you. I clearly have can you please explain to me what I did and how I did it that you know is causing this thing and there's inevitably it's like well clearly you did this this and this and it's like yeah I did that but why is that frustrating well because you don't think that I can do this is it and like oh okay so your opinion of what I did is the thing that's actually got you pissed off not my intention of what I did right so I've talked a lot about it, but there's so many nuanced examples, but this is the number one tool I use now. I wish I would have known this. There are other tools about, you know, annoying personalities. I've did a whole series on, you know, the path to enlightenment through different personality types, the DISC personality profile. Go listen to those through this lens of relationships and understanding that different people have different values. You know, there's just certain personalities that are super fiery. And there are certain personalities that aren't. And when a fiery personality wants to have even this enlightened discussion that I'm having with you right now, it happens differently for different personalities where it's like, well, tell me what you meant. And they're genuinely engaging this, but even how they say it is like, whoa, I'm sorry. Don't, you know, I guess I'm wrong, you know, and you just back down depending on the personality types. So those are other tools, but this particular tool of realizing that gap between somebody's thoughts and actions, yours or others, and then somebody's feelings about those thoughts and actions, there's a gap. And the gap is the person who's doing the feeling, the person who's feeling upset, feeling happy, feeling whatever, that person is the one deciding how to feel. That person is making a choice to feel a certain way because of the things they believe Because of the things that they perceive about the other person's actions or whatever. So, you want to stop feeling hell in any way, shape, or form. You want to live in heaven constantly. Learn that nobody can make you happy and nobody can make you mad. And that when you feel happy, pat yourself on the back and go, oh, yay, I have... Perceived that going to Disneyland is a good thing and it makes me happy. And when you feel mad and you're the little boy who would rather go to grandma's house, realize that you're the one who's made you unhappy and it is your choice on whether or not you want to reframe it. By the way, I choose to the best of my ability to always reframe things in such a way as to stay in a happy state, right? there are things that people do that are frustrating. They are angering. And guess what? Those are opportunities to grow. Those are opportunities to mature, or those are opportunities to move away from those relationships. There are relationships in my life, especially professional relationships that consistently frustrated me. And those people meant to be and say and do those things. And those things that were said and done and the way those individuals were, was continually frustrating. And so at some point for me to be happy, I had to realize that it's okay for certain relationships to fall away and it's okay to change those dynamics and get away from those relationships. Now this gets into something that you've heard the idea of getting away from toxic people. Do you realize that even you are toxic for somebody, right? This isn't about this illusion that there's certain toxic people that we all should stay away from. Maybe there is. Maybe Ted Bundy was toxic and everyone should have stayed away from him. But I guarantee you there's somebody who Ted Bundy made happy. Actually, I know there, there was a, a fangirl of his that was in love with him and he seemed to love her back. And so somebody was received, had belief systems in place to where Ted Bundy made her happy, right? or Hitler had people who loved him and he loved them, right? That yes, there are people who are more toxic than others, but the reality is is that toxicity is not a cut and dry, like you're toxic, you're not, you're toxic, you're not. We all get in our toxic or not toxic lines. The reality is is you are toxic for somebody. I am toxic for some people. I own that, that is on them, whether or not they want to stay in my life. If they're toxic for me, It's on me whether or not I want them to stay in my life. If someone is toxic in your life, it's on you to recognize that. And it's also on you to love them anyway. And it's also on you to realize that that doesn't make them a bad person. That means that they aren't a good fit for you, right? Being a toxic person is not... It doesn't have to be. It can be. But it's not necessarily a commentary on someone's character. It's not necessarily a commentary on someone's intentions. It's often a commentary on whether or not two people mesh together, whether or not their personalities collide, whether or not their desires for life and their perspectives on life are healthy, right? If you are a diehard, dyed-in-the-wool Christian, you know, uh, rapturist, you know, Israel is, is still the chosen people of God and you're very kind of predictable evangelical Christian, then having a spouse that is totally new age and totally like, yeah, you know, there's lots of ways to heaven and everyone is saved, I mean, that, that's probably a really toxic relationship. Is being a very evangelical died in the world Christian, is that in of itself toxic? No, right? That's simply just the dream that that person has chosen to dream. And if they were in the relationship with somebody else who agreed with them, that would be could be an immensely healing and healthy and empowering relationship, and they would grow, and maybe 20 years from now, they would change their beliefs and not believe that, but they could do it together, right? And it could be a beautiful, happy, amazing, textbook, healthy relationship. And then the other person who is totally new agey and believes everyone goes to heaven and all this stuff, and that you know Jews aren't any better than the Chinese, and we're all loved by God, and we all are God, and everything, and maybe that person finds another person who thinks the same thing and neither of them are toxic to each other. They're this healthy, awesome relationship. So toxicity is not a mark on your, you know, I amness card that says I am Austin and I am toxic. No, I am Austin. And you have to decide whether or not what I teach, who I am, how I say things, whether or not I am toxic for you. You know what this allows you to do? It allows you to honestly Look at people in your life and realize, yeah, you know what? This person is not healthy for me. And yet I can still love them because it's not a commentary on their I amness. It's simply a commentary on the fact that we don't mix together. And even if we did, we don't now. And relationships change. People change. You know, the idea of like, oh, well, we grew apart, you know, or whatever. The, the friendship just kind of faded away or whatever. That's a thing. And it's Okay. It's okay to grow and realize that you're not you know, meshing on the same level with people. So toxicity, the secret talks about focusing on the good of those that you love. I use that example of the couple where the husband comes home and she's frustrated that he's late again and you can see that there's just this argument and in the secret, they kind of give the example of just focusing on the good, write down the things, all the things you're grateful for that person and everything like that. That's a beautiful exercise, and I don't really have a whole lot to add to that. What I can say on top of that dynamic, especially a husband-wife dynamic or business partners dynamic, relationships in which there's kind of a forced framework beyond just like, hey, we're buddies, but there's a framework that says even if we stopped being friends, we still have a relationship. That is where adding on top of it, the reality of how to define toxicity, that this relationship then the form it's in right now has become toxic for one or both of you. And it is not a commentary on who that person is. It's simply a commentary on what your relationship is. And if you view that relationship as a third party, that that relationship is toxic, not the person, Right. It allows you to love them. It allows them, you, you to wish them well. It allows you also to have gratitude and appreciation for what is good and what has been good. And that's where I would add, you know, that supercharges that exercise of being grateful for others. And I want to add here, it allows you, and I've mentioned it a few times in previous episodes, because this is one of my big aha moments of 2019, is authentically examining people in your life and the people that you love and want to be in good relationship with is being authentic with yourself about who they really are. Right. And this happens a lot in the church where we hold people to this, like you're righteous, you're holy, you're good. You're better than this. You're better than this. And we tell our kids, you know, you're better than this. And I think I did a whole thing about, you know, parents who know their kids are capable of changing the world. And, you know, man, it's, you know, I know it's just been so frustrating. I believe in you. I've had some of this with my own parents that I've, They've known that what I'm capable of, but I just haven't been living it, quote unquote. I have been spiritually, I have been emotionally, and uh, I would even say relationally, but not financially or success wise, something that I've had some really, quote unquote, bad breaks that I've attracted into my life for other reasons. But, you know, what I realized is that every time, specifically my mom, hi, mom, specifically every time that she was like, you know, we would have the conversation of like, man, I just don't understand. I know you're so capable and you're, you know, things are going to change for you. I just believe in you and I believe in you and believe in you. Thank you, mom. I appreciate it. And it's meant a lot. However, the backhand of those kind of compliments or those kind of, whether it's your parents, parents to your kids, kids to your parents, friends to friends, like the backhand of those types of compliments is that you also keep essentially telling them, You're not living up to what I know you're capable of, right? And so in a backhanded way, you're failing. In a backhanded way, you're not good enough. In a backhanded way, I'm disappointed. And in a backhanded way, your I amness you're just not measuring up to who you could be. So you're failing God, you're failing yourself, and shame on you, right? And so we don't want to deliver that. But it is one of those things that when you try to encourage people for who they could be, you're not honoring them for who they are in a way like you're not honoring them for the reality in their life that, yes, you could be the president of the United States, but right now you're a bum and I still love you anyway. Right. And holding them to the, you know, you could be the president, you could be the president. Maybe just keep that to yourself. Maybe just realize that somebody could certainly be more and you find the right ways to encourage them. Like, yeah, totally do that, man. I bet you could do it. But when it's this constant dynamic in the relationship that you're better than you're being, then it's also a constant dynamic in the relationship that you're failing. Because you're not being what I know you can be and I love you. It's too bad you're failing. I feel bad. Let me help you stop being a failure. You see what I'm saying? So in relationships being honest with yourself about where somebody really is and who somebody really is and loving them anyway. Now there are people in my life, again, business partners, friends and stuff like that, where in getting really brutally honest with where they're really at, I've realized in different levels of relationship that that is, I feel really freaking bad that I have constantly essentially told them that they're not living up to my expectations And some I've realized, well, they're so far apart from what I want in people in my life that I am going to remove those relationships. And then in other cases, it was just my expectations and I'm a jerk for not just letting them be them, right? That's one of the uh, downfalls of being a parent or the downfalls of being an influencer in people's lives is that you can very easily start getting expectations You can very easily start getting like, well, you know, I know my son is destined for great things. Well, what if he doesn't want great things, right? It's not your choice. And so you have to back off of that and just love them for who they are. Or maybe they really are, you know, they're being super toxic and you know that they have the capacity to not be, but they haven't chosen that. Then it's on you to remove that toxicity out of your life there's one really big key in all of this. And that is if, as you begin to get honest with the fact that you are the reason you feel anything and that you honestly, authentically assess people in your life, as you want to change your quote unquote measure of happiness, especially in relationships you have to kind of, what do you focus on? Do you focus on finding new people? Do you focus on fixing people? Do you focus? No. In my opinion, focus on becoming the person you wish others were like, right? When you wish that others were more generous, focus on becoming more generous yourself. When you wish that others were more of a servant and that other people would be more thoughtful of your, of your feelings and the things that you're struggling with or more empathetic, focus on becoming more empathetic, right? When you wish that others were more adventurous, then focus on becoming more adventurous. What will happen is, is that you will start vibrating on those levels and poof, you will attract people who are like that. This is a very similar admonition as to last week's episode about if you want to, you know, start living the life of Tony Robbins, start thinking the thoughts of Tony Robbins. You want to start being around people who are more fun, start being more fun, right? I guarantee you, if you consistently become more fun, the people in your life who aren't fun will be bothered and start turning you down for invitations. And you'll find other people who are more fun and you'll go out and hang out and be like, oh my gosh, you're totally fun too. Let's hang out. Let's become friends. That is how it works. When you become the type of person you want to be around, whether it's financially stable, more fun, more adventurous, more relaxed, whatever it is, there's no wrong choices there. But when you become that person, then you attract people like that. So that leads me to my last point. (laughs) And that is, the reality is, is that everywhere you go, there you are. If relationships for you are a bit of an enigma or I'll speak for myself that I had a sequence of businesses that I started where I had four businesses in a row where one of my business partners, and I always always had often had more than one business partner, but four businesses in a row where a business partner cheated or stole or had some major, major, uh, a measure of financial unfaithfulness to the business. I had four of them in a row, right? You have one business partner who steals from you. Man, that's a tough break. You have two business partners who steal from you. You start wondering, you know, that's weird. You have three business partners who steal from you. You start to realize, wait a minute, I clearly suck at choosing business partners. You have four business partners steal from you. At some point, you have to realize there's only been one person in every one of these scenarios. And while I should have, rightfully so, can be mad at them, I should probably look in the mirror and figure out what the heck am I doing to keep picking these people, right? What the heck am I doing to give them the impression that they need to steal or that they have the right to steal or that they even have the opportunity to steal? What habits do I have? What ways am I turning a blind eye or whatever? And you realize that it's on you, right? And so everywhere you go, there you are. is simply a way to say... If you find there are patterns in your life, you know, you've every girl you've ever dated is ultimately cheated on you. Well, what are you doing to pick those girls? What are you doing to create the dynamic in those relationships where that becomes a thing? Sure, they own their half of that scenario. But if you're eight relationships into life and every one of them is cheated on you, dude, it's on you. Own it and change it it's not bad news to say that everywhere you go, there you are. every relationship you're in you're in right, and so whether it's you know every girl every day cheats on me or every business partner I have steals from me or my friend's always this, or my family always that like realize that that is you, you are attracting those relationships you are attracting those vibrations you are the person who attracts unfaithful girlfriends right you are the person who attracts thieves for partners and own it it's okay notice the pattern and realize that's something you can change now instead of feeling like i mean i feel like that's great news right you're not a victim anymore you're not a victim to oh man the universe just keep giving me crappy people no, you keep giving you crappy people. Stop being the person that's attracting that. Figure out, dig down deep. For me, I realized that there's some dynamics inside of looking for business partners. That is, I've always wanted partners that had kind of a sense of 50-50 ownership. And so what happens is, as I come up with a business idea. I invite a business partner in and then I tell them, this is your company too. This is your company too. This is your company too. And at some point, they would then actually take ownership, treat it like their baby, and then they would want to do something that I didn't agree with. But because they now own the company, they felt, well, I'm going to do it anyways because it's my company. And so then they would essentially hijack my baby, my company, because I wanted them to have ownership. And I never then paid attention to the fact that when people take ownership, they really do take ownership. And it's on me. To realize that when I have an idea and I start a business and everything like that, I can ask people to partner with me and everything like that. But the truth is, is that it's always my baby. And I learned this, I, I'm working on a company right now. And I actually learned this with the Epic team. And those of you who on the Epic who listen to this podcast, you know, I'm sorry I had to learn this with you guys. This was, as you all know, it was a long, painful lesson. But I'm owning to the fact that when something is my baby, it's mine. And... I've really learned this with this latest project I'm working on. We were in a conversation. I was with a new business partner, a friend of mine, and he said, you know, Austin, let me ask you, if we have a board of directors and 10 years from now, this thing's super successful and the board decides to take a direction that you don't agree with, like you really, really don't agree with it. And the company starts heading down a path that you don't want. What would you do? And I said, well, honestly, at that point, I'd probably just resign. I'd take my ownership and I would move on to the next project. He said, exactly. Regardless of how many great ideas everyone else has, regardless of how much you want us to help you with the company, regardless of how much ownership you want us to have, this will always be your baby. It will never not be your baby. And so you just need to own up to the fact that we're helping you raise your baby. And so don't get mad at us when... It's not the most important thing in our world. Don't get mad at us when we prioritize other things because you want us to pretend like it's our company and it is, but it's not, it's not our baby. And so it is a lower priority for us. For you, you're going to go spend every day doing everything you can to make it happen. And we're going to kind of wait for certain things to make it easier. And then we absolutely will pour our energy into it, but it's not our baby. And I realized, oh my gosh, and this, I learned that lesson with Epic and then it kind of really drove home with this last idea, this last company that I'm working on and realized, wow, that is the thing that I've always attracted partners who steal from me is because I've let them, I've wanted them to take ownership. And so they did. And I've changed that and I've owned up to the fact of who I am and how I do business. And it's different. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's just the pattern has stopped, right? <laughs> so when you have certain things, you're attracting certain types of people, certain types of scenarios into your life. If you want to change them, realize that everywhere you go, there you are. And in relationships, more than anything, there are patterns that we all have. And if you have one, take the things I've said, and maybe hit me up, hit me up with Belief IQ, spiritual coaching, and I can help you realize, like I unpacked my pattern that, how do you unpack, like, wow, every time I have a business partner, they steal from me. Oh, wow, That well, that makes a whole lot of sense. That's actually a really good part of how who I am, and I'm not sure I want to get rid of it, but I realize how it's attracting that crappy thing in my life. Well, I had to have help. I had to have very painful help from some business partners who loved me beyond just stealing from me. And they realized that I kept wanting them to take ownership, but I wasn't letting them take ownership. And it was this really painful, frustrating dynamic that, thank you, Epic team, for uh, putting up with me and um, helping me see what I had done. And now Epic is very much not my baby. It has become something that we've done together, and it's a very different energy. Go check it out, org. And it is something that is I'm enjoying in a different way. I'm enjoying not being the one who feels like every decision is mine, you know, I'm the The buck stops with me type of thing it is group things i mean and it's great to start companies that way and i have a new type of dynamic in my life i've never had and so patterns are on you your emotions are on you toxic people in your life also on you relationships are in your hands the power is in your hands and in your mind and the law of attraction working through those things the best thing I can say about relationships and the law of attraction and how it works together is just be brutally honest with yourself and become the type of person you want in your life. Let the law of attraction do the rest. There are plenty of tools. Listen to some of these other podcasts, and I'm sure there will be more on relationships. Check out Danny Silk's stuff on relationships with some of the best out there. The five love languages, the lemon leadership, whatever. Relationships are a vast, vast subject, but in the end, become the type of person you want to be around. Be brutally honest about the people that are in your life and work through how to realize that you own it all. You own the relationships in your life and nobody can make you feel anything. Nobody can put you through anything that you didn't attract into your life. And that's the truth. I love you guys. Thanks for uh, an hour of your time. And um, we'll see you on the next episode as we continue unpacking the secret. And remember, if anything is true, there's a way in which it is true. And when I say that relationships are on you, there's a way in which that's true. Doesn't mean that other people don't have their own stuff to own up to. But in the end, it's on you. Love you guys. See you later.